0: The New Testament lesson today is from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs? In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, Thanks be to
1: God. Has anybody told you today that you're the beloved of God? Ah, you are. Beloved sons, beloved daughters. So, Martin Luther, one of the great reformers of Christianity about 500 years ago, um, had all sorts of good things to write and say about the New Testament, about God, about Jesus. He also was very articulate about his own intestinal track. And he was known to uh, have been asked once about discerning whether something was of the Holy Spirit or not. And he replied, well, it could be of the Spirit, or it could just be gas. Can, Can we say that in church? Yeah. So... Followers of Christ, are we not left with that ongoing discernment? Is something of God? Do we really need to pay attention to this? Or or is it just gas? We need each other to discern what is of God. And the Pentecost story may help point us in a direction that is influenced by the Holy Spirit. If we look at the Acts 2 text that Katie just read. We see that God sends the Holy Spirit who does a new thing. Nobody expects it. Nobody understands it at first. But God is doing a new thing and the newness looks like this. A community that chooses to include rather than exclude. The Holy Spirit creates a community that breaks down language barriers and cultural barriers and helps the early church find common ground. The Holy Spirit does a new thing that builds bridges between people as opposed to walls that separate people. The Holy Spirit is bringing about a new expression of community that brings diverse people together. Now, the diversity doesn't mean they all believe the same thing or express their faith the same way. It's not uniformity. It is unity. Do you see the difference? The Holy Spirit creates a new church, a new community that is not uniform, but has discovered a way to embrace unity in and among its diversity that may be some guiding principles for us to discern what is of the Holy Spirit. The passage from Acts begins by saying there were Jews and proselytes. Well, as I was reading that this this week again, it just stopped me in my tracks because the early church did not have an easy time with that. The early church wrestled with who could be a true follower of Jesus. Could an uncircumcised man be a true follower of Jesus? And they argued for centuries whether someone had to become Jewish first. A man would have to be circumcised first and then convert to be a follower of Jesus. And others said To be a follower of Jesus, it has nothing to do with circumcision. Fortunately, we don't debate that anymore. The Holy Spirit led the church to realize it's really not important. It's it's about the heart of a person. And then the, the passage goes on and says, not only were Jews and proselytes there, but Phrygians and Pamphylians. These two groups didn't like each other. They told jokes about each other. The Phrygians would tell Pamphylian jokes. The Pamphylians would tell Phrygian jokes, and it got worse. They didn't like each other's culture. They didn't like each other's language. They didn't like each other's history. They didn't like each other's heritage. And Yet there they were at this first Pentecost where the Holy Spirit said, yes, you two tribal nations are now going to be followers of Jesus together. God's doing a new thing, forming a new community. At the first Pentecost, there were Europeans and there were Africans. And there were folks from the Middle East. If you can picture the Mediterranean, everywhere around the Mediterranean basin was represented at the Pentecost. The Spirit was doing a new thing, saying, I need you all to figure out how to be community together. Because if you can figure it out, the world will be a much better place. It even says in the scriptures, immigrants were there. Immigrants, immigrants, part of the early church, part of the birthday of the church. And then you can imagine this scripture being read almost with whispered, hushed tones, even, the word is even in the scriptures, even Cretans and Arabs. How about that? Arabs and Jews at the beginning of the church, understanding each other by the gift of the Holy Spirit, Sharing food with one another. Praying together. What happened at Pentecost in the year, give or take a few, 33 AD may be helpful for us as we Christians try to be the leaven in the loaf of this global community that is wrestling with how do we find community together. Have you heard that the There are conversations and rumors about the United Methodist Church splitting. Let me just see a show of hands. I'm steeped in it, so I hear it all the time. Okay, maybe a third of our congregation has heard that. Now you've all heard it. There's rumors that the United Methodists won't be able to figure out how to find community together because we can't agree on issues of sexuality and issues of homosexuality. And we are a global denomination, we have Methodists, millions of Methodists in Africa, in the Philippines, in Europe, in South America, in the United States of America. And we get together once every four years and we, we battle over homosexuality. And it's not civil, and it's not fun to watch. It's deeply painful. Do you think that if we read this passage of a new Pentecost, a new Holy Spirit, it wouldn't include the Phrygians and Pamphylians, the Cretans and the Arabs, but maybe just for Methodists, it would include United Methodists in the North Georgia Conference and United Methodists in the North Katanga Conference in the Congo, all coming together. Maybe it would include United Methodists in Texas in the Texas Annual Conference, and United Methodists in the New England Annual Conference, both of whom have boards of ministry that disagree on what questions are permissible to ask in the ordination process. New England says, we're not going to ask any candidate what they do with their genitals and with whom. North Texas Conference says, we may ask Maybe this new Pentecost story would say folks from the western jurisdiction which ordained an openly lesbian bishop and folks from the south central jurisdiction which brought a suit against them. Maybe the two of those jurisdictions can figure out how to follow Jesus together and how to model what it is to be a community that honors context. Contextual expressions of the Christian faith. To be contextual in New England is to say, we welcome the LGBTQ community. Contextual in North Georgia or in Texas or in Liberia or in North Katanga might be very different. How can we United Methodists find a way that allows us to be contextual in our evangelism, contextual in our witness, contextual in our worship, contextual in the languages that we speak, contextual in our desire to meet the culture where it is with the love of God in Jesus Christ. We need to be praying for the Holy Spirit to come again because so far we're stuck. But the Spirit is persistent. In this Acts passage, Peter stands up and preaches. There's rumor that this this new expression of the Spirit, which most people can't understand, has people accusing the church of being drunk. And Peter says, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. We haven't had time to get drunk. And then he preaches. And he preaches from the book of Joel in the Hebrew Scriptures. And in the book of Joel... It says, the Holy Spirit will be poured out on men and women. And as if people didn't hear that the first time, Joel and Peter says it again, twice. Look it up this afternoon. The Holy Spirit will be poured out on men and women. That means men and women will receive Holy Spirit, and with that come gifts. Sometimes those gifts are the gift of preaching, the gift of prophesying, the gift of pastoring. Why did it take the United Methodist Church until 1956 to ordain the first woman? She was Maud Jensen, member of the Madison United Methodist Church, first ordained woman in the United Methodist Church. But it took us a few hundred years as Methodists and a few thousand years as Christians to realize, oh, The Holy Spirit does indeed pour blessings out on men and women. Do you see how the Holy Spirit was persistent? For most of our early experience as Methodists, we said, no, God could not ordain women. Church won't ordain women. God doesn't give up on us. Even when we have blinders on, God is patient and loving with us. And sooner or later, Our blinders widen and we realize that God's love cannot be contained. Friends, next week we're going to have two baptisms. We're going to have a baptism at the 9 o'clock, baptism at the 11 o'clock, and at that baptism we will pray a prayer over these babies that may have been prayed over you, and this is This is significant because this is more than just a historical event. We prayed the Holy Spirit work within this little one, that by being born of water and the Spirit, he or she may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Friends, baptized Christians, the Holy Spirit is in us already. We may ask, Well, that's a nice story 2,000 years ago. But look at the mess we're in now. What do we do? The Holy Spirit is within you, and within you, and within you, and within me, and within us. And the Holy Spirit that gave power to the early church has the same potential to give power to us to create community wherever we are. It is in our hands to welcome people into our own circle that at first glance we may not be comfortable with. But this is how the Holy Spirit works. And I believe that God is calling us, each of us, to be in the flow of that Holy Spirit that wants to include and include and embrace and widen the circle of God's love. And each of us can do that in every day of the week. It's got to be done every day of the week. Sunday's not enough. Maybe the prayer that will open us again to that is that ancient prayer of the church. Veni Sancte Spiritus in Latin. Come, Holy spirit maybe we need to pray that in whatever our mother tongue is come holy spirit and see what god does see who god leads into your life that day if you pray it intentionally we might be surprised can we pray that together come holy spirit come holy spirit I'm Holy Spirit. I'm the Holy Spirit. Amen.